so-so, challenging. I have the opportunity to interact with a lot of people in this church body during the course of a week, and each of us do have different kinds of weeks. We mentioned last week that uh, we were praying for a family that's been a part of our church, Mike and Sarah Hooper, as their kids were in a tragic accident in which the girlfriend of their son was killed and their daughter, Landis, is in a coma. In fact, they moved her to San Diego, La Jolla, uh, last evening. A week has passed. That's a heavy journey to be on. And that combined with some other challenges in our church family has caused me to sort of shift and tweak where I want to go with the message today. And what I want to talk on today is the subject of prayer. One of the videos that started to make its round on social media had to do with um, a singer by the name of Katie uh, Nichols. And she wrote a song related to a passage of scripture in John 16, 23, where Jesus himself said this. He said, very truly, I tell you, my father, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. She wrote this song when she was uh, going through some curvature of the back issues, her journal entry. And as this song was making its rounds, it was really becoming an anthem call for us praying, not just for Landis, but also for others such as Grace Nachel, who has been who was a part of our youth group a couple years ago, and, and she was just diagnosed with sort of um, inoperable cancer of the spine. And you just, you just don't know where to go. Maybe you have a burden here today that you don't know where to go. But we have someone to go to, and we have a name to call upon for situations to change, whether they're health situations, whether they're relationship situations, whether they're finance situations, whatever it may be, we have the Lord Jesus Christ to cry, cry out to. So before we step into what the Lord has today, I would like you to watch the video that's been making its rounds on social media from Katie Nichols. I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do In desperation I'll seek heaven And pray this for you I pray for your healing the circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that a breakthrough Would happen today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name In Jesus' name 
You have a burden this morning? Do you need that burden to be prayed over in Jesus' name? I'm going to ask you to stand right now and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, across this room, you know the burden, you know the situation, and Lord, you also know the hope. And we pray in your name, Jesus, that you would minister your power and your grace. We are so grateful that we can walk into your presence and to ask of you. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask in your name that your will be done and that you would be glorified Lord, whether that's the changing of circumstances, the healing of someone's body, the opening of someone's eyes, the healing of emotional wounds, we pray in Jesus' name that these prayer requests represented across this room and even online 
the Lord, through your spirit, you would minister your grace, your touch, and your power for transformation. And God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I am um, very mindful that we carry burdens that we pray about, but sometimes we're not quite so sure what we believe concerning that burden. The verse that we had mentioned um, going into that video from John 16, 23, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, very truly I tell you, my Father will give you Whatever you ask in my name. Now, when did he do that? These words are shortly before he went to the cross and he was trying to explain the way reality is going to be moving forward. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy will be complete. Embedded in this understanding and exhortation to pray is that Jesus cares for your need, and he wants your joy to be complete. Now, sometimes we don't see prayers answered in the direction we would hope that they would be, but when you seek the Lord in prayer, the joy that you can have in relationship with him and navigating through the challenges of life and what his kingdom is for the world that you're in can bring you joy. I... um, just have a simple question to throw at you today, and it's this one. Does prayer work? I received a um, text from Mike and Sarah Hooper a couple days ago, and they said, you know, Landis is at a place where she's calm and things are good. Uh, as it relates to just stabilizing in the coma that she's in after this traumatic accident. And uh, we'd like you to come and pray for her. And uh, I'd been waiting on the opportunity, and Melissa and I, we took advantage of it. And we walked into um, this ICU room where she's hooked up to all the things, young, vibrant, junior in high school, and um, we were going to pray. But when I walk into those situations, I think to myself, oh, they, you know, they're glad to have a spiritual person, a pastor come to pray, and we're very good friends. Uh, we have been as well. But I have to ask myself, well, does prayer work? What are we just sort of going to do? Does it have any connection to um, the trauma at hand, and the opportunity for hope. You know, prayer a lot of times, like, um, I heard a good analogy this week. You know how when you go to a sporting event and they always have the national anthem? It was sort of a a place to honor, right? But the national anthem is not connected to the ball game. The national anthem is not going to help the football team get an extra touchdown or two or a few extra baskets for the basketball team. But we do it out of, uh, you know, honoring our country, and so we stand, pledge, you know, uh, sing the national anthem, but it's totally disconnected from the reality of why you've showed up in this stadium. 
And sometimes our prayers like that, we just sort of, hey, it's a, an honoring thing to do. Hey, I'll pray for you. That's good. You're with you in prayer, you know. But we don't see it connected to reality of the game or that could make a difference. But when you walk in a room such as that, you want prayer to be connected to what you're seeing in the hospital bed, and you want change to happen in Jesus' name. You're wanting change. But I'm mindful that a lot of times, whether you're a believer or non-believer, a lot of times prayer for us is this detached, wishful, hopeful thinking. And so... As we were getting ready to walk into the room, Sarah, the mom, and, and her son, Gavin, who had just graduated last week, they um, were on their way out of the room, and it was so good to see them, give them a quick hug, and, and uh, to give Gavin a hug in particular. Um, this was the picture that was taken a week ago, Thursday, at Vista Marietta, right after the graduation ceremony. And so there's Gavin with mom and dad, Mike and Sarah, and um, his sisters, and Landis is over here on the right. Little did Landis know that she would be in a traumatic accident and fighting for her very life that very night. We walk on into the room. Dad's there, grandpa's there, aunt's there, friend's there. You come to anoint with oil and to pray. And in that moment, you're trying to have a discernment. Does prayer work? I texted Sarah last night as they were transporting Landis to San Diego to say it would be all right if I put the picture up. And she said, sure. She says, it's making powerful this event, this accident and what's going on with Landis and with Gavin is making powerful inroads around the community. Two, three hundred people gathered for a prayer vigil outside the hospital this last week here. And uh, she, she said in her text, it was interesting, she says, it's even making its way around the world. And somebody texted me who lives in Jerusalem and says that they've, uh, they're putting Landis's name on a piece of paper and putting it in the cracks of the Wailing Wall. Now, you guys know I've had this visual up here for two weeks. It was actually three weeks ago tomorrow that my family had the opportunity to be at the Wailing Wall, which is the Western Wall, the portion of what was the Temple Mount. And uh, we had the opportunity to pray there. And when you pray at the Wailing Wall, you do, they, they, they have these little pieces of paper. And on those pieces of paper are sincere, fervent prayers for something, for all kinds of things. I, I don't know what all those pieces of paper may entail. And as we were there praying at the Wailing Wall three weeks ago, Melissa was burdened to pray for the Grace Notchell, who I mentioned, who, whose family's been from her church, who has been diagnosed with inoperable spinal cancer. Just pouring your heart out to God. 
But when you're pouring your heart out to God, you get, does it do anything? Is it connected or not? Well, you're in a church, right? Follower of Christ, you're going to say, yeah, my prayers are, are sort of be connected, right? Why would I do them? It's just not just wishful thinking. But I think there's some weighing into this that I want to exhort us on today because when you walk into the room, when you walk up to the person, when you're crying out in your car about a situation, your prayers can be powerful and effective. It's the way God set up this universe. We talked last week and some the week before that we are called, especially heading into the summer, we are called to be worshipers first and workers second. The idea that, you know, it's not like, hey, you get saved, you're a Christian, you know, get to work. And really, no, our first thing is to, to spend time worshiping the Lord, whether it's in corporate worship like we had a chance to do today or in the quiet stillness of your own room, just thanking God or reading through a psalm, whatever it may be, worship is your first priority. And out of that worship, which we worship in what? Spirit and truth, we said. Your heart filled, connecting with his spirit, worshiping truth, scripture and otherwise, as God would lead to remind you of who he is. As we worship, we then move our way into work. Worshipers first, workers second, but the primary work is prayer. The primary work is prayer. I don't know about you. I've had a hard time believing that sometimes because I'm a doer. Give me a task. Show me what needs to be done. I'm going to figure it out. Maybe there's some engineering to it. Maybe there's some discipline of hours and times and equipment things. Give it to me. We're going to get her done. It's not my nature to pray first in the work. It's my nature to try to make something happen. I want to tell you today that prayer is not only the primary work, but that we do not pray for the work. Prayer is the work. We do not pray for the work. Prayer is the work. Does prayer work? I'm here to tell you, yes, prayer works. And we're going to look at some of the ways that prayer works. But you cannot find any other subject except maybe the stewardship of life and the kingdom of God that's more expounded on in Scripture than prayer. But prayer also ends up becoming one of those aspects of our life that we're all a little sheepish at. We all feel like, well, I don't know. I trust that my prayers are effective. I, that's why I always pray, oh God, if it's your will, I pray maybe that. I, there's something inside of us 
that we sheepishly step back. We don't want God to be embarrassed in case he doesn't come through. We're not quite sure how we're going to respond if God doesn't come through. We're a little timid on, on maybe how we should even pray. And so there's not this boldness in prayer. That's why I love that music video. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray that there's change that happens here. In Jesus' name. That boldness doesn't have to come from loud vocalizing like I just did. It may be a small, still voice you have. Maybe a voice that's just internal. But do you pray with boldness? Do you know that Scripture and Jesus unpacks this, that we are called to pray? And we don't pray for the work. Prayer is the work. Philippians was written to people that were challenged in their Christian faith in Philippi. Paul wrote to them and he said this in Philippians 4, 5, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by worry and fret and trying to do something about it, fix it. No, that's not what it says. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you present your request to God, there's something that's going to come on the heels of that. He says, in the peace of God. The peace of God will transcend all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you as a parent are pouring your heart out in prayer for your child who needs to be made well, or maybe you're praying for a father or a mother this morning, maybe you're praying for a dire situation that your marriage is in, or a challenge that your children have gotten into that's a difficult predicament, and you're praying you are entering into a work of primary importance that is directly connected to what's going to happen in that situation moving forward and what's going to happen in your life and the other person's life. Simply put, prayer works. Prayer works. I want to try to explain something to you here because I know that we can be challenged in understanding all the different dynamics of prayer. If you took prayer just in and of itself, it's very simple. It's conversation. It's conversation with God as surely as you're going to strike up conversation after this service and probably talk to somebody, if not here on your way home. Prayer is conversation. It's dialogue and interacting with someone. And that someone is the creator of the universe who created you. That someone is the savior of this world who died on a cross and was raised from the grave. That someone, Jesus Christ, wants to be in relationship with you. And so when you begin your understanding of how prayer works, you need to realize what you've been gifted as a follower of Jesus, if you've invited him into your life, you've been gifted this incredible relationship with Jesus. And prayer simply works because it works in the aspect of building a relationship with Jesus. 
spending time with him, communing with him, hearing his heart, reading scripture and his words, right? You build this relationship. And so prayer works to draw you into communion. Any of you in a hard place, you know what pain does to you. Pain causes you to cry out. It causes you sometimes to despair. Sometimes it causes you to fall in all kinds of even ugly ways. But pain can call us into a deeper relationship with Jesus if you make the pivot to ask, to commune, to cry out in Jesus' name. And that relationship is so precious. And when you go to Jesus, he was tempted in all such ways with us, as with us, but without sin. Jesus knows pain. He knew not only physical pain, he knew emotional and relational pain. He knew the pain of disappointment. He knew the pain of carrying a burden of responsibility. When you go to Jesus and you have this communion with him, you are talking to a friend who can identify with you. Lord, I cry out to you in your name. And Jesus says, draw near to me, my child. The prayer works in a multiplicity of ways, but I wanted to say that up front. That foremostly prayer is this conversation, this relationship, and it will grow with you through the years as you are diligent into prayer. First thing in the morning, hey Jesus, good to see you today. Well, you don't really see him, right? Right? He's there. Well, it's better than seeing him. I see my wife in the morning, but then we adjust our schedules. Where are you going? What am I doing? We'll meet back up in the evening for dinner, whatever. Jesus goes with you. So it's better than seeing him. His spirit dwells with you. So when you roll out of bed, you say, all right, Jesus, good morning. There's work to be done today for you. And the work, the primary work, is prayer, communion, conversation, petitioning you. Uh, a second way that prayer works is in extending the rule of God's kingdom. Now that sounds sort of fancy. But when you pray, it's not your will to be done. It's God's will to be done. And God, he wants to rule and reign in all situations of life. Your immediate situation you might be praying about, but he wants to rule and reign in the development of all that's happening in our world. And so when we pray, we are forwarding his rule, his reign, his extension his kingdom. That's why the one thing, right? You've heard me say it before that the disciples asked, the only one thing that disciples asked Jesus to teach him about was teach us how to pray. And that's where we get the example of the Lord's prayer from. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants his kingdom, his rule to reign. And so he's actively at that. We know that that is in his heart, may your reign happen in the life of this person. You know, we were on the way home last Sunday after church, and with the whole 
accident that happened on Winchester Road. We live out by that. In fact, the Hoopers live fairly close to us. And uh, Melissa said, I, I want us to drive up Winchester to Keller Road and see where the accident was. And I'm saying, are, are you sure? And so as we drove up Winchester Road over here, the 79, and, and uh, we got to Keller, it's a new stoplight. You can understand why somebody ran the stoplight in one sense and T-boned them, probably not paying attention. I don't know the full story, any of that sort. All I know is just a traumatic collision with somebody speeding through a red stoplight at Keller and Winchester throwing the truck a distance into a pole on the passenger side, and that's where the damage was done, not only to the truck, but also to the human lives. But as we pulled up to the stoplight to turn right, there were a couple other cars there, and there were some other students from the high school who were out placing flowers at the spot. And my wife immediately began to pray, Lord Jesus, help those friends and those peers process all that's happened with this traumatic accident. Lord Jesus, may you draw near to them. May you show yourself strong to them. Somehow, God, may you use this in their life at this young age to speak to them. What is she doing in that moment of prayer? She's praying that prayer would work in the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in the life of high school kids. And so when we pray, we're asking that the sovereignty, the work of God in the hearts and lives of people, even if the, the work is not a physical work, God works spiritually in the lives of people. Someone shared with me on the way out last Sunday that they had been uh, walking their father through in their latter years some of the difficult challenges of their life and that he passed away. But they were so, so pleased that God reached out before he died, he made a commitment to be a Jesus follower. That is the rule of reign of God working. He wasn't healed physically. But you talk about the greater miracle. Taking an older person and turning their heart to God. So prayer works in building our relationship with Jesus. Prayer works in extending the rule and the reign of God's kingdom in the hearts and lives of people. And third, it works in defeating the schemes of Satan. It works in defeating the schemes of Satan. You're very familiar, many of you are, with the passage in Ephesians. And the passage in Ephesians talks about what we're up against in this world and in this life. And what we're up against is beyond the visible, natural realm. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Finally be strong, verse 10, in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Now, I, um, I don't know about you, but I'm mindful in, in and every situation that's in my life. I don't think a demon's around every bush, but I tell you what, 
I do believe the adversary wants to bring destruction in my life, my family's life, in my church, in my friend's life, in this world. He's pretty active at it. And if you happen to watch the news, he's getting better, it seems like, in our culture. Just destroying the Imago Dei, that people are made in the image of God, and God desires to be a relationship with him. The divisiveness of culture, all these kinds of things. Behind it in the spiritual realm is enemy attack. Big bombs being dropped. And sometimes I want to get frustrated at the situations or the stories I hear. And I have to remember, oh yeah, there's spiritual battles going on. Take my stand against the devil's schemes. Jesus did. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days before he started his ministry. If Jesus was tempted by Satan, you and I can be tempted directly by Satan or his workers. And it says to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Or as it says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'll read in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. What Paul's saying there to the church at Corinth, and they had all kinds of stuff going on, and schisms and the culture that they were in, he was saying, we as Christians, when we go to pray, we are not walking in with water pistols to storm the gates of hell. We have divine weapons to tear down strongholds, whether they be arguments or literal strongholds of the enemy's attack that have gripped themselves onto a person for whatever reason in history past. We pray in Jesus' name that those strongholds would be broken, that arguments would be torn down in people's minds, and that Jesus would be able to flood the sin-sick soul with the hope of not only just salvation, but the hope of his presence and eternity. We pray in Jesus' name because we know prayer works because it defeats the schemes of Satan. And so, usually in prayer situations, and sometimes, I'll admit, it's a little awkward for me, I'm praying for someone. I'm praying over them. And I will sort of guide my prayer, not just with the petitions to ask, whatever you ask in my name, right? But I will guide my prayer to take up my weapons to fight the devil's schemes. I don't know exactly what is or isn't going on. But in that moment when I pray over the person, I may very well say something like this, and Lord Jesus, we also, in your name, come against the antics and the tactics of the enemy. And we just pray protection over this room. We take, sometimes I say imaginably, that we take the blood of Jesus and paint it over the walls. And the blood of Jesus represents the full work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his defeat of Satan. And so I want to just pray a place of sanctuary in this hospital room or in this person's house. I have someone recently that wanted me to come pray over their house because there's just some things going on. They, they were bothered by it. I'm like, oh, really? I'm, you know, that's part of me. It's like, well, okay, it can, can be. I'm going to take up the divine weapons and I'm going to pray. 
And I'm going to pray not prayers only of petition and a communion with God. I'm going to pray spiritual warfare, which is now taking the authority I have in Jesus and coming against the enemy and say, uh-uh, 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 you have no rights to be messing with me. Have you prayed spiritual warfare over some people's lives? That you're just, you're just at odds ends. You don't know what's going on. Are you, you, prayer is not only the primary work. Prayer is the work. And so don't cower away going, well, I guess all I can do is pray for them. No, what you can do is pray for them. And pray protection over their life. Pray that the enemy's schemes wouldn't be there to cause them to trip and to stumble. Now, everybody still has their own will, right? And so they can volitionally continue to resist God and his voice or whatever it may be. But as for me, I am going to pray. Prayer works when I walk into a room because I'm in relationship with God. I'm adopted his child. He's allowed me to come into his throne worm to be able to forward his kingdom. Prayer works because I can help extend the rule of God's kingdom. He's allowed me in on the decision-making of things sometimes. And prayer works because I have divine weapons to tear down the enemy and his schemes. And prayer works in changing situations. That can be spirit-led. Changing situations that can be spirit-led. And I think it's interesting, you know, I have this image behind me. And all you think about all the pieces of paper, not only now, but through history past, the Jewish people and others have placed in the cracks that, well, there are probably situations that need to change. And the hope that we have is found in an almighty God. The Old Testament, God's referred to as Yahweh, Elohim. Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me. We cry out to God for him to change the situations that are on our heart. I find it interesting as as we look at various passages, and there's several I could have taken, but the James passage is one I just wanted to highlight, and Tread read it earlier to you as we began worship. But James says this in James 5, and there's a lot of struggles and challenges going on in that day in the New Testament church. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them worry. No. Is anyone in trouble? Any hardship? Challenge, let them pray. Is anyone happy things are going well? Then let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? And that word for sick there really is the word for suffering. It may have to do with a broad um, diagnostic kind of thing of, of just not the sickness, a physical sickness. It may be an emotional sickness. It may be a, a mental sickness. It may be a sickness where you're just sick and tired of the way life is right now, your circumstances. Sickness is a broader category there than maybe sometimes what we think. It says, but if is any one of you among you sick, 
Then let them call the elders of the church. Now, before, in the first part of that, it said, is anyone among you in trouble? And it says, let them pray. You pray. But in this particular situation, it says, call the elders of the church, which is merely this idea of bringing together some other spiritually minded people. Not that they're the elitist or they got all their act together, but in Christ, they're willing to pray the power of Jesus over someone maybe, right? And he says, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Oil was symbolic in that day of, uh, of touch, that kind of thing. Usually I'll carry one of these little vials of, of um, oil around. There's nothing special about the oil in here. It wasn't special, anything special. When I prayed over Landis this week and, and took oil and, and formed the cross on, on her head to pray over her, to anoint her with oil as we all prayed around her bed together. There's nothing special about some holy oil, but the oil is symbolic of the divine touch and intervention that God wants to bring about in that situation. So if any of you are sick, let's bring some spiritually minded people together, your life group, maybe some other friends, maybe come down to the altar after church and say, I need to be prayed over. Will you anoint me with oil? And the prayer, the prayer needs to be in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. They have sinned. They will be forgiven. It's more of a holistic thing. The idea of raised up, the resurrection, our eternal life that's involved with that, the aspect of sin, raise them up. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. It goes on and says, and pray to each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It doesn't mean a perfect person. A righteousness, the only righteousness you and I have is the righteousness of Jesus, whose name we pray in. He lives within us. So in the name of Jesus, I pray. I am a righteous person because of his righteousness. And so I pray. And my prayer is powerful and effective because it's Jesus who's at work. So many times in prayer, and you need to get this right if you haven't heard me say it before, I really don't believe in faith healers, but I do believe in the divine healer. And so when I pray over someone, I'm praying for divine healing. Sometimes my faith alters, and I want to be able to offer the prayer of faith to make the sick person well, but I know it's not my righteousness, it's Jesus, and he raised he raised himself from the dead so he can surely solve this situation if he cho chose in his will. So I pray. And then in James, he, he throws out the story about Elijah. And I like how he frames it. Elijah, <laughs> yeah, prophet, great prophet in the Old Testament, right? All kinds of stories about Elijah. Here he says, you know, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Prayer works. Prayer works in building a relationship with Jesus. It works in extending the rule and the reign of God in the hearts and people's lives and around the world. It works in defeating the schemes of Satan through the Spirit-led ministry of the Lord Jesus. And it works in that it changes situations. It works in healing. 
the human soul and body. The next time you pray over somebody, don't pray in your name or your might or your hope. You pray in the name of Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith can make a sick person well. He can touch the body. You know, Jesus, it says that by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed in Isaiah 53. What he did on the cross brought about our salvation, but also what he did on the cross defeated the enemy. And by his stripes, we can also have a provision to anoint someone with oil and pray for physical healing and touch. Don't hold back. Prayer works in situations and in situations where healing, the body and soul. I prayed on the way to church this morning for Landis. Lord, just wake her up. Jesus, today, wake her up to be whole. We're on a pathway to wholeness. Jesus, for, for grace, Nacho, who, who has this uh, cancer and they don't know what to do, I pray, I pray, God, that you would touch her. Yes, give the doctors and even some of the experimental stuff they're looking at doing. Uh, uh, Lord, pray. Would you intervene? We've been praying in this church for someone with terminal brain cancer, Mike McDonald. I prayed with Mike this morning in pre-service prayer. As we gather, and if you want to come and pray at 930, we circle up outside the door right over here in the hall. We pray for service. He had a beautiful prayer behind the mask that he's carrying. And uh, I prayed a prayer for Mike this morning. Lord, by your grace, somehow intervene for your will to be done. Because prayer can work and prayer can heal. In the Lord's hands in all things. Because prayer works ultimately. Prayer works ultimately. Not in the, just the changing of situations and the healing of the bodies, but prayer ultimately ends up working to bring God glory. Lord, your will, your will be done for your glory. Heal this person, save this person, restore this marriage, develop this pathway of fruitfulness in this person's life spiritually for your glory, God. And you line those things up you have every right. You don't have to be loud. You have every right to be bold. I speak the name of Jesus over you. You have every right to pray in Jesus' name. You have every right. Why? Because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Are we doing that, church? I know we are, but I want us to pray even bolder prayers as a church over people's lives. I like what Psalm 55, 16 says. I'll end it with this. It comes out of the Passion Translation. The psalmist David, he says, But as for me, I will call upon the Lord. I will call upon the Lord to save me, and I know he will. Verse 17, for every evening I will explain my need to him. And every morning I will move my soul toward him. 
And every waking hour, I will worship only him. He will hear me, and he will respond to my cry. Why? Because he's near. He's near. Worshippers first. Workers second. But the primary work is prayer. As the worship team comes to close us out this morning with a song as it relates to the goodness of God, I want to ask you to bow your head where you're at. And this is a tough ask for me in part because I never want it to come across in any way condemning. But prayerlessness can be a sin. Weak praying can be a sin. And we need to repent of our prayerlessness. Maybe God's calling you to repent this morning of your prayerlessness or your lack of faith in what he can do in a situation. Maybe there's a situation, as you stood earlier, that you're burdened about, that you need to see prayer working. Lord Jesus, as we come to a close here this morning, I know that across this room, such a challenge is a challenge that could easily be given from a mere mortal as I. But I pray, God, that it would stir in our hearts through the presentation of your Holy Spirit to draw us into deeper prayer, even for those of us who have become weary in praying for a situation and we've started to fall into prayerlessness. May you renew our soul and may we repent and turn back to you in fresh fervor because of what this powerful dynamic is that you've given us, you dwelling within us, you reaching out through us to be able to forward your kingdom's will and purposes around us. May we take our rightful ownership of our place with you as King of kings and Lord of lords. We are co-heirs with Christ. May we operate. May we live and worship and pray as if that's true because it is. And so, Lord, across this room, restore our hearts, renew our hearts to pray, to pray for whatever need it may be. And, Lord, may we look to you and acknowledge your goodness in all situations, and may we offer the prayer of faith, whether it's in making a sick person well or changing a situation or offer a prayer of faith as it relates to spiritual growth. May we operate with a prayer of faith, looking at your goodness, and giving to you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do something this week that I want to invite you to as a church family. This is not just a message to say, let's go do it. I want us to be trained and equipped to pray to pray with someone at the altar in the prayer area where you're at in work or in your home. And so for at least the next two Wednesday nights at 6.30, Pastor Trey and I want to meet you down front in a circle of people. We're going to talk about how to train and equip people to pray. When you walk into that hospital room, I want you to be equipped well. When you move forward to pray with someone who's maybe come down that's a friend, I want you to be equipped well. So come Wednesday, 6.30, 
one hour and we're going to equip the saints. You're a saint if you don't know it. Not because of your righteousness, but because of his. We need to equip us as a body to refresh our devotion and refresh our ability to pray to the good and faithful Father. With that, ushers can come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. If you have a prayer request, you can list it on the back of that or any decision you're making for Christ. But let's worship together, and um, we will send you out of here to do God's work foremostly through prayer.